welcome to Grace Church. Thanks for uh, braving the storm, coming out in the snow, and uh, really trust that God has something uh, really special for you this morning through his word, and uh, he's going to really um, show you some incredible things through the teaching this morning. We are uh, starting a brand new series. You couldn't have picked a better weekend if you're new here to Grace Church to be here. We're starting a brand new series called Compassion at Christmas, and I am really excited about this series because the more you read about Jesus Christ, the more you read about him all throughout the Gospels, the more you understand Jesus Christ, the more you cannot escape the fact that one of the defining attributes of Jesus is compassion. Let me show you just a couple examples of that reality. One of the defining attributes of Jesus Christ, one of his, one of his main characteristics is compassion. Let's look at that reality. I want to show you just a couple verses in, in, a, in a letter that was written by a man named Matthew, and it's called Matthew. And Matthew was a disciple of Jesus. He was an eyewitness and ear witness to the uh, life of Jesus Christ. And he's recording what he saw and what he heard. And he says this in Matthew chapter 9 in verse 36. It says, when he, speaking of Jesus, saw the crowds. Okay, in other words, when he, uh, Jesus, got around people, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then just a few chapters later, Jesus encounters some people who were hungry. And all of his disciples that were with him, they're like, man, send them away. Like, they're bothering us. We don't have food for them. We barely have enough food for ourselves. Like, send them away. They're a pest. They're a bother. We don't want to mess with them. And then Jesus uses this as a teaching opportunity with his disciples. And he says this in Matthew chapter 15. In verse 32, and then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd. Jesus was saying, don't don't send them away. Don't send them away. We're actually going to feed them. And that's exactly what he did. Jesus said, I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. And I am willing, I am unwilling rather to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And then you turn just a couple more pages in this letter written by Matthew, and we go to chapter 20, and Jesus encounters two blind men who were uh, begging on the side of the road, and they were hungry, and man, they were destitute. They They had nothing. And these two blind men heard that Jesus was coming, and they began shouting, Lord, Lord, have mercy on us. Would you please heal our sight? Help us to see again. Lord, have mercy on us. I can just imagine, you know, if we were walking downtown Main Street, and maybe you're, uh, you know, you're passing by tequilas, and there's a couple guys, um, you know, on the side, and they're yelling at the top of their lungs some things like, have mercy on us. I think many times people would respond the same way they did many, many years ago. Everyone around these two blind men started yelling back at them, and they said, shut up, like, be quiet. You're bothering us. Like, keep it down. What are you talking about? Be quiet. But Matthew tells us that these two blind men, they they began to yell louder and louder. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And when Jesus encounters them, listen to what happens. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 34. 
And Jesus, being moved with compassion, he touched their eyes, and straightway they received their sight, and they followed him. Like, it doesn't matter who Jesus was around, if he was around crowds of people, if he was around the hungry, the blind, the lame, the sick. Everywhere Jesus went, compassion poured out of him. It was one of his main attributes. So it should be no surprise when the Apostle Paul writes a letter to us, the church. And let me just clarify something. When I, when I refer to the church, I think some of us, we grew up, and we thought the church was a steeple, some stained glass windows, and a building, like a funny-looking building, you know? That is not the church, okay? We are the church, the people of God. So when you hear me say the church, I'm talking not about a building. I'm talking about people. So the Apostle Paul, he's writing this letter as the church is being formed. It's just getting started. And uh, he gives us these instructions in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. So he's writing to us. We can receive this. Like this is the Apostle Paul writing directly to us. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, he says, clothe yourselves. All right? He uses the word clothe, which the word clothe is actually a very interesting word in the Greek. It means to be consumed or to be completely wrapped up in something. So he says, you, the people of God, the church of God, you need to clothe yourselves. You need to be completely wrapped up with compassion. Compassion was the very first thing that the Apostle Paul said that we should clothe ourselves with. We should put on, we should be completely consumed by compassion. All right, now, let's be honest, okay? I don't know about you. I don't know if you're a very compassionate individual. But I know me, I have a lot of work to do in this area. Not the most compassionate individual. Very easily annoyed with crowds, okay? Um, you know, going Christmas shopping, going to the mall, you know, being around too many people, it's like sometimes compassion is the opposite of what I have. So I don't know if you're a very compassionate person, but I think we could all do a little better in this area. You know, one of the things I love about this time of the year, this Christmas season, is that Christmas seems to elevate the compassion in all of us. We, we all become a little bit more aware during this time of year about the needs of people. And I find that kind of fascinating. It's almost like the Christmas season fuels compassion in us. And maybe we shouldn't be surprised by that. I mean, even St. Nicholas, where we get Santa Claus, St. Nicholas was a very compassionate man who invested in and he gave to the poor. I mean, think about all the Christmas movies that we watch. Maybe think about all the Christmas movies that we've watched already this year. They all seem to center around someone who is very selfish, like Ebenezer Scrooge. And then at Christmas time, something happens in him, and all of a sudden he becomes compassionate towards other people. You see, at Christmas, all the stories seem to be about people unleashing compassion around them, and those stories inspire us. We're inspired, man, when we see someone um, unleashing incredible acts of compassion. 
You know, there's a, an amazing story back in World War I, and you've, some of you may have heard this story, but back in World War I, the Allied troops and the German forces were trying to kill each other. But at Christmas time, for one day at Christmas time, they came out of their trenches, they, they put down their weapons, and the Allied troops and the German forces actually played a game of football together on Christmas Day. Just the day before, they were trying to kill each other. But on Christmas Day, they stopped fighting and they actually played a game of football together. I think that's fascinating. It actually got me thinking this week. I've been doing some serious reflection and I've just been thinking, you know, man, I've actually really been mean to Pastor Chris, you know. I, uh, I make fun of him a lot because he's a Cleveland Browns fan. And, uh, you know, I tease him and give him a hard time. And, you know, always making jabs at him. And I mean, if sworn enemies can play football on Christmas, like maybe this Christmas I should say something nice about Chris and the fact that, you know, he's a Cleveland Browns fan. And uh, I just couldn't think of anything to say, you know. So we're going to move on here. All right. There's something about Christmas and compassion, okay? They, they just, they go together. There's something about Christmas and compassion. You know, maybe it's the music. Maybe it's the lights. Maybe it's the festivities. But here's what we need to wrestle with this morning. Compassion at Christmas isn't just some recent happening, you know. It, it didn't just start happening like 50 years ago or 100 years ago. You realize the story of St. Nicholas, and you can read the story about St. Nicholas on your own, but it comes from 300 A.D. That's over 1,700 years ago. Like This has been going on for a while. The reality is compassion at Christmas started over 2,000 years ago when God did the most compassionate act in human history and he sent his son Jesus to be born here on this earth and to eventually die for us. And Jesus has been calling us, the church, to unleash compassion in our world around us ever since. You see, that's what we want to do this Christmas as a church, as a group of people. That's what we want to do, is we want to unleash compassion on those around us. We don't want to just talk about compassion. We don't want to just talk about God. We want to be the hands and the feet of God to the community and to the people around us. You know, the most, the way that we can show the love of God most visibly is when God's people demonstrate acts of compassion. This Christmas Eve, we're going to have three services. We're going to have one at 2, 3.30, and 5 p.m. And uh, last year was the first time that we tried to have three services, and uh, it was a huge, huge success. We had over 400 people walk through the doors in the 10 Christmas Eve services last year, which was awesome. And we're going to do that again. And just a little side note, uh, on Sunday, December 3rd, we're not going to be having any services that Sunday because we're going all in on Christmas Eve. Because outside of Easter, Christmas Eve is really the best opportunity to see unchurched people come to church and to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. 
It's going to be a great time. It's going to be a lot of fun. But here's just a little step that we're taking as a church to try to unleash some compassion on, on those inside and outside of our church. This Christmas Eve at each service, we're going to be taking a special offering at each service called Hope Offering. And I don't know if you've noticed or not, but here at Grace, we don't take offerings, okay? We don't pass a plate. So we're like, hey, could, could we just do it once a year? I think that would be okay. So we're going to do it on Christmas Eve, three services. We're going to take a Hope Offering. And all the monies raised are going to fund the benevolence or the compassionate needs that arise in 2019 inside and outside of Grace Church. And so we are praying and we are trusting and believing that uh, God is, we're going to, we're hoping to see over $10,000 raised at Christmas Eve services this year. Now let me take just a moment to explain a little bit about our benevolence ministry here at Grace Church. I want you to have confidence. I want you to know what these monies, what they're going to be used for and what they're intended for. You see, here at Grace, we have some very strong beliefs. And one of those beliefs is that we do our very best to give something to everyone who comes in that has a need. So throughout the week, people come in and, man, they're going through some hardships, some really difficult seasons of life. They need some help. And we do not want to send them away with a God bless you because that really doesn't take the hunger away. We don't want to send them away with, hey, I'll be praying for you, because that's just kind of annoying, okay? We want to give them something that actually meets their physical need. So we do our best to give to everyone who comes in. What we've done was we provide food, and we do pray for people, because prayer is powerful, and we also provide the gospel. We want to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. So everyone that comes in to Grace Church and has a need and they, they're asking for help, we give them something. We give them some help. We're also in the process of uh, compiling a detailed description of other available help in the community. So, man, they may have other needs outside of food that they can use some help with, and we're going to try to point them in the right direction, provide resources for them. I'm not sure if you know this or not, but the last couple years, uh, the River Church, they have done an annual concert with the Bardi Wranglers, and they do a food drive. So people come to this concert, they bring a bunch of food, and the River Church donates all of that food to Grace Church, which I think is really awesome. So that's just a, a, a visible sign that we're not competing with each other, we're actually working together for the benefit of our community. That's just one way that we're working together to better our community, and to really minister to people. So uh, thanks, River Church. I think that's really awesome. In 2019, we're going to have a modest budget of $3,000 to help with requests and needs from people outside of our church that come in, just random people that come and have needs. You see, there's going to be times where we give them a food box, but the Spirit of God may say, you know what, they need something more than a food box. And so we have a little bit of monies to lean on to, to help in those times. <clears throat> so we're going to have a $3,000 budget to help with that type of a need. The other monies raised, the other $7,000 that we hope uh, will come in during the Hope Offering is going to go to take care of needs within Grace Church, within our own body. Over the past couple years, we've been able to help families and individuals within our church who were going through difficult seasons, 
And let me just tell you that the fruit or the benefit from those efforts helping people inside our church have been very, very positive. Have been, we've, we've seen incredible things, and we've helped numerous families within our church who have gone through difficult seasons. It's been, it's been a lot of fun, and it's been uh, received really well. It's been, uh, it's been great. We believe that this approach is going gonna, is gonna to be very beneficial for us. And so how it's going to work is the, the pastoral team here at Grace Church is responsible to identify, to discuss, and to pray for those needs. And then we take steps to help with those financial or physical needs whenever they arise. And, and we really believe that this approach allows us to love and to share with one another in such a way that it really impacts people within our church. And it's also an incredible testimony to people outside of our church. And let me just say this. I have some scripture to back up why we're doing this. There is a verse that says, do good unto all men, unto all people, especially those of the household of faith. Like we are going to give and try to meet the needs of people that come into our doors, but we are especially going to try to meet the needs of the people within Grace Church. At the same time, we're going to continue to bless random visitors with food and prayer and the gospel. So, I don't know, I'm excited about this because the scripture says that, and how, how are people going to know that we really love God? Like, there's, man, there's more churches than McDonald's, you know? I mean, how, how do you know? Are they really... The good guys, do they really love God? Are they really going the right way? How do you know if the people in Grace Church really love God? How do you know? And the scripture says, because of their love one for another. And we're going to practice that as best we know how. I mean, here, I'm going I'm to say some hard things as lovingly as I know how. Because I believe sometimes hard words make soft hearts. But how incredibly sad or, yeah, that's a good word, sad, disappointing, devastating would it be if week in and week out you came in here and you sat next to someone at church and you didn't know their name and you didn't know what was going on in their life and you didn't know that they didn't have food for their family, for dinner tonight. Unfortunately, that happens far too often in so many churches. Because we come in, we're like, man, I just really like the way this bald dude talks, you know? I just, I enjoy it, and I leave here, and I'm going to come back next week, you know, because it felt good. You see, God never intended his church to be a one-hour gig on Sunday morning. That's not what he intends for his church. His church should look so much different than that. What he intended is for us to be ministering to each other and meeting each other's needs, to know what was going on in each other's lives, not to be nosy or a gossip, but to really genuinely care and meet each other's needs. Because that's something different than what goes on 
out there in the world. You see, sometimes people look in and if they see fighting and they see people bickering and they see people not getting along and they don't even know each other's names, it's like, shoot, man, that's what I experience out there. Like, there's no difference. But if they look in and they see God's people, like meeting each other's needs and sacrificially giving to one another and genuinely loving one another, they're like, dang, I, I've never seen this before. I've never experienced something like this. I want to be a part of that. Man, we are going to do our best to, to meet the needs of people that come in our doors. But I'm going to lead us and I'm going to, I'm going to work hard to make sure we take care of people within Grace Church. So I'm excited about that. I hope you are too. And I want to ask you to just start praying right now and make a plan to give to the Hope Offering this Christmas Eve. And and just one other clarifying note, I I think just to help you understand, um, those of you that call Grace Church home, and man, you have committed to this church. You're like helping us to, to get it done. You've even committed financially to this church and you give on a regular basis, I want to encourage you not to give your tithe or your financial commitment to this hope offering, okay? We're we're viewing this as like sacrificial giving. And and one other note, if you're like, man, I really want to give to this hope offering, please, please, please don't go into debt to give to the hope offering, okay? Don't do that. Don't do that. So we're asking you to make a plan and to be really wise Make a plan to give to this hope offering. And and if it doesn't work for your family right now, and it doesn't work for your finances right now, there's no judgment. Like, I don't know what you give, and I don't care. That's between you and God. So so make sure it makes sense for you. But, man, we want to stretch your faith, and we want to encourage you to give to that. All right? Okay, I'm going to move on. Here's something I've learned about compassion. Compassion is not a feeling. It's not just feeling sorry for people. Because feelings can come and go. They can change with the wind. Compassion is action, always. In other words, true compassion always leads us to take action. True compassion goes from our heart to our hands. And quite frankly, to those of us that live in America, it does go to our wallets. It leads us to take action, to do something about it. Did you know that's exactly what we're told in the book of 1 John? This passage of Scripture is, is once again, it's a little bit hard to hear, but it's something that should impact us, okay? In 1 John, the Apostle John, who probably knew Jesus better than anyone, is reflecting on the love and the compassion of Jesus Christ, and he writes this to us in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. He says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And I think sometimes we read that in our modern day, and it's like, okay, Apostle John, (laughs) what does that mean? Like, what does that look like to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters? Like, we're not in a war. I can't, like, jump in front of the bullet in front of somebody, you know. It's like, how does that look like? What are we supposed to do to lay down our lives for each other? And the Apostle John says, okay, I'll tell you how. And he goes on to say, if anyone has material possessions, <laughs> okay, <clears throat> that's 99.9% of us, okay? 
he's talking to you, he's talking to me. If any of you have material possessions, okay, we live in the richest country in the history of the world. And one of my favorite statistics is this. 85% of Americans who have a two-car garage, they can't park their car in the garage because they have too much stuff in the garage, right? We got so much stuff. We got so much possessions. And the Apostle John just says, if anyone has material possessions, okay, what are we supposed to do? I got material possessions. You got me, John. Now, what am I supposed to do? If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or a sister in need, but has no pity or no compassion on them, and then John asks a really tough question, and this is a question that you have to wrestle with. Remember, John is reflecting on what Jesus has done for us. And John says this, if you see a brother or sister in need and you have no pity or no compassion on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dang. Like, man, John just tells it like it is. Like, he doesn't hold back. That's that's truth right there. That's a powerful, hard question. And let me just clarify that the Apostle John is not trying to guilt us into being generous. He's just simply pointing out the obvious. He says, you all have possessions. You all have things and stuff. What, what are you doing with your things and your stuff? And I heard a quote this week that really stuck with me, and I hope it sticks with you as well. But it says, it says this, the problem with poverty is not God's provision but human distribution. You see, God has already provided all the resources that we need. We have everything we need on this planet. And the question is, will we distribute what's been given to us? And then the Apostle John goes on, he ends with this in verse 18 of 1 John chapter 3. He says, Dear children, Let us not love with words or speech. Words are cheap. Talk is cheap. Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I mean, that's the opportunity that we have before us today, Grace Church. We have the opportunity to, to unleash compassion on those around us, on those who are in need and those who are hurting in our own church and in our communities. You see, the love of Jesus Christ is most visible through the compassionate acts of his people. And people will say, wow, I've never seen something like that before. I've never seen generosity like that. I've never seen compassion like that. Man, when they look in and they see a church full of people and there's different colored skin and there's different ethnicities and different experiences and backgrounds, there's broken people who are welcomed in, you know, and There's people who are poor. There's people who are rich. And we're all together as one. And we're getting along and we're supporting one another. Like, that is unusual. That's that's not common. But that is what the church of God should look like. I'm going to close with a section of scripture out of a letter that Matthew wrote. Once again, Matthew is writing the words of Jesus. And I have to be honest with you, I've kind of been back and forth on this section because it's, once again, it's got some hard words. And uh, 
I think it's going to, I think some of you are going to maybe be offended by it. Some of you are going to be encouraged by it. Um, but it's, it's the words of Jesus Christ himself. So in my opinion, I'm like, man, if Jesus says it, then I want to say it too. So we're going to read Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to read verses 31 through 46, and that's how we're going to finish the message this morning. And before I read, one more clarifying thing. Um, to, to be in a relationship with God, it's, it's, you can't earn God's favor. You can't do enough good things for God to say, oh, okay, cool, I'm good with you. It's by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way to salvation. That's the only way uh, to God the Father. But our actions really, really matter. What we do is really, really important. So let's read this, okay? Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, he's speaking of Jesus' second coming, okay? He's speaking of a day that hasn't yet come. But when the Son of Man comes in all his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered in his presence. And he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality? or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And this is kind of where we need to brace ourselves, okay? Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed one into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Listen, there is a real heaven and there is a real hell. But just a little clarifying note, hell was prepared, hell was intended for the devil and his demons. Hell was never intended for people. Yeah, you need to know that. You need to know that. Verse 42. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. And then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment for the righteous will go into eternal life. Now, I need to clarify, the reason I wanted to read this as I closed out the message this morning is not out of like a rebuke or I'm not saying Grace Church isn't getting it done. 
As a matter of fact, Grace Church is a very generous church. We are known in our community as a church that tries to meet the needs of people and ministers to people. We have that reputation. So I want to say, Grace Church, good job. Okay, the reason I wanted to read this is because I want us to keep going, but I think we could do better. I think we can always do better when it comes to compassion, when it comes to being aware of who we are sitting next to in church or Man, being intentional at trying to learn someone's name or trying to find out what their needs are, what their life story is, we can do better. Listen, this Christmas, we have the opportunity to unleash compassion in amazing ways. Man, and I hope and pray that we continue to be known for that, but man, we can really lead the, the charge in Durango and Bayfield and the surrounding communities that, man, that group of people not only really love each other and they meet each other's needs, but they are the most compassionate people. Like They use what God has given them in the most awesome ways. And they really bless the communities around them. Man, I hope and pray that will be our story. Hope and pray that's what we'll be known for. Let me close in prayer. Father.